Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Hour two. Glad you're with us across the OutKick network. We say hello to Sports Radio 104.7 across the Upper Cumberland. You can hit us up on Twitter at OutKick360. Hello to Fox Sports Shoals in Muscle Shoals, Alabama. We also say hello to you in Florence, Alabama and Huntsville and Somo Sports Radio in Joplin, Missouri. Uh, We mentioned the Twitter account. You can also find the YouTube page. That's where you can chat with Chad. Uh, Chat with me, please. Subscribe to the channel on YouTube, Outkick360. Last night, uh, Delivered for the NBA, and this is exactly what the league needs. They need the young talent and the star power of Ja Morant and Steph Curry to not just play in the postseason, which they're doing, but live up to the expectation of what game one was all about and what the matchups in the regular season have been, and it did. If you tuned in last night, per either our recommendation of just or just knowing that it's, it's full of some young talent that is – is worth getting behind. Last night was outstanding. John Morant, uh, Grizzlies are down four with four minutes to play. And they outscored Golden State 15-6. to And all 15 points were scored by Morant. He's phenomenal. He finished with 49 points, right? I think 47. 47. 47 points. 18 uh, in the fourth, high. I think. Always get those odd numbers mixed up. 47 points, I think nine rebounds, eight assists on the game. I think it's not, you know, you said the young talent is what's drawing people in. I think this series is perfect because it's not just young talent. I mean, Steph Curry's an old guy now. Well, yeah. He's an old man in the NBA. So uh, by NBA standards, he's been around for a long time. He's been in the spotlight for a long time. So this isn't a passing of the torch type scenario, but this is old versus young. This is present versus future with Steph Curry and his Warriors who have won multiple titles versus John Morant and the Grizzlies trying to step up into that realm of a title contender. And outside of that... I find it very compelling uh, to watch this series. The the number one question, though, that you'll get surrounding these games if people tune in and watch John Morant, will he stay with the Grizzlies? Right. Like What what has this become? Does this become a guy that you're rooting for year after year to do something for Memphis and the Grizzlies? Or does he just go to the next big market and become the next big superstar? He's already a superstar in the NBA, but become a, a huge I, superstar going to a banner organization next. But Giannis next, shows next, next. you that you can get the max contract in the small market and, and continue win. to win. Yeah, yep. and win. That's but right. more guys leave than, than well, stay. No doubt. We saw no doubt. I hope he Durant. stays. I hope he stays. What this, what, could this be a situation like Golden State was you know, a decade ago where you know, they, they have a young nucleus and all of a sudden they start adding pieces to that team instead of those pieces leaving? Yeah, but Golden State's right? a Bigger, better market, yeah, but especially they for, pending for, they crossing for years the bay and like years. they did. Yeah, I mean, they were sure. horrible. Yeah, Morant 
Now, and by the way, Curry said uh, in the build-up this series, they remind us yeah. of us when we started out, when you watch the way they play. Which adds to the series for sure. Except I didn't, I didn't see the Warriors playing as physical of a style as the Grizzlies. Uh, and I'm not trying to call yeah, the Warriors. They were more finesse than, you know, it's still about the three. And, it, and to some extent, the Grizzlies play that way too, but it's more of an attacking style at the rim. Defensively, though, we've now seen, and this adds to the intrigue of the series. Um, this is where bad publicity is really great publicity for the series. It's in the, in the form of these ejections because Draymond Green gets ejected in game one. And then last night, Dylan Brooks ejected in the first quarter for uh, you know winding up and going malicious to some extent. I mean, it was reckless. I think we can all agree on that. Um, windmill type going yeah, and hitting got, the guy in the head. Got right? Gary Payton the second. Gary Payton the second, who then ends up breaking his elbow. Breaking his elbow. And at the time, you didn't know what the result was of was. the injury, but that's intrigue beneath the surface where you have Draymond who's back during the review, Steve Kerr's you know, patiently or maybe impatient watching to see what happens with that review because his player just got ejected the previous, you know, the previous game for something far less. Yeah. I mean, what Draymond Green did to get ejected was far less than what we saw. last. Well, the difference is Draymond Green grabbed the Jersey after hitting the guy in the nose. Yeah. uh, In this, in this case, far less. Well, based on the result of the injury, yes, uh, in in I, the I thought, moment, Draymond Green, he can let go of a jersey as he pulls yeah, the guy I'm down not, the ground. I'm not saying Draymond Green didn't deserve to get ejected, but what Dylan Brooks did last night, people who want to complain about a lack of physicality or how they played back in the old day, you go watch any 80s fight that happened in the no NBA, doubt. 90s, Next that Pistons. was as hard and egregious a foul as you were ever going to see. He went full fist yeah. into the face yes. of Peyton and had no intent on hitting the ball. That that was uh, – people are, are pissed off at Steve Kerr after the game for saying, we're going to remember it, and tonight Dylan Brooks broke the code. Well, in the, There is in a the code game, amongst players, and he broke that code. In the game, in, the, in game. The, the in-game interview, after the first quarter, in between quarters, they interview Steve Kerr, and they said, prior to the tip-off of this game, you told us you thought this would be the most physical matchup um, of the season for you guys. And you were, guys. And you were uh, and he, he said – it was an example at the end of the first quarter on that foul, uh, an example of physicality. He goes, no, that was dirty. That was his answer. And Draymond Green's flipping off the crowd last night. Um, you know, one, two-word answers at the, the podium postgame. Again, beneath the surface, there's this boiling oh, yeah. uh, ego. And, and I get it. And I, and I, I love good. it. Like, it, it's perfect. It's the perfect tone matched with John Morant and Steph Curry. Uh, Clay Thompson didn't deliver last night, but throw him in the mix too, going back and forth shot for shot. So well, Morant... By the way, they were 7 for 38 from 3. The, the, the Warriors were 18%, and they were still right there. And Curry's, chance to win on the and road. Curry's biggest 3 was from a mile. It was banked. Yeah. Uh, you know, he makes shots like that, but that was not like a pure thing either when they're shooting so poorly. Morant's elevation is ridiculous, Okay. You don't throw out any kind of Jordan comparisons lightly, but there are very few guys when they are at the top of their leap who appear to hang there for a time. And Morant looks like that. Midair. When he goes up, particularly to dunk, and his arm is way above the rim, a portion of his arm, he seems to freeze there, which makes him 
seem otherworldly. There are so many good young players in the league. But he is a different breed in terms of that. The, the jumping, the elevation, and the, that's the right word, Chad. The suspension in air, his ability to spin. He's hitting at all three levels. At the rim, mid-range, the floater wins the game, and from three. So he's a three-level player. He shows that last night. He, he's just terrific. I think, honestly, with this suspended in air thing, there may be a little bit to the color of the uniforms, the blue and the, and the yellow socks, and there's no legs showing. I don't know. Maybe there's some, some image trickery going on there. Like uh, brown dress or blue dress? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> that type but, of trickery? But, and, and then the floater that won the game, Wiggins is right there charging at him, fingertips just missing the ball. It's very good defense. Yeah. So, he, I mean, he creates the shot, yes, but he doesn't create the shot where he then has a free look at the basket. He's creating the shot and making it by a fingertip over Wiggins charging. It's fantastic basketball. Well, Draymond Green's going to get ejected out of the next game, too. This is my prediction. Back and because forth. he's going to knock Dylan Brooks Avenge. out of the game. The Warriors, need, plays. the Warriors need someone else to step up and be an enforcer. Because I think they need Draymond Green too yeah. much in the game, and he's taking himself out of the game. And this is what Draymond Green does. He didn't have to take himself out of game one with that ejection, but it's almost like the Warriors need to put in someone else off the bench to with not just send a message. I mean, Dylan Brooks broke your teammate's elbow. You can say it's bad luck or whatever. I mean, he put... No he punched a guy in midair, and the guy fell down awkwardly on his elbow, and you could see it in live action, immediately broke his elbow uh, on, on the play. It wasn't a dislocation, but he broke his elbow. I mean, it was bad. The Warriors must retaliate, and they're going to in, in this next game. Well, thing- I, I, I'm interested now, Hutton, to see retaliation followed by more retaliation on each side and where this thing goes, or... Are the Warriors one of those teams that can come back and say, we're just going to beat you? We're not going to get into this game with you of getting guys ejected left and right, and we're going to go back home, and we're going to beat you because we're the better team. Because let's be completely honest about this series so far. Golden State's the better team. They went in there and split, and they shot 18% from three and still had a great chance to win and win both games in Memphis. They, are the favorite in the, they were the favorite in games one and two on the road for a reason. They're going to go home and be a favorite. So how do you handle that if you're Steve Kerr and you're the Warriors? Your pride was challenged. Your teammate got knocked out for the rest of the season. How do you handle retaliation versus just going and beating them and not taking yourself out of the game? That, to me, is the psychological plan going into this game that, I, that fascinates me in this series. Grizzlies know they can go and win there. and They were 3-1 and one, uh, in the season against Golden State. Um, I, I think this is a series that lives up to the hype and goes deep six game six, game seven. Certainly hope it does. Yeah, and it goes back to game two. Game two is a blast. And it'll get more and I more mean, heated. I mean, the longer Draymond it goes. Draymond Green, post-game, he's got stitches on his cheek and he's got uh, blood on uh, part of his eye where he's been elbowed, you know, and he made the, he made the, he quipped it right afterwards. He's like, I, I don't know if it was um, unintentional. And I'm thinking, coming from the king of, Trying to make things unintentional. I like the rough and tumble element of it. It it takes me back to better days of the the league where it was too much yeah. rough and tumble, maybe. But um, 
you know, gotten too far away from that. Well, look, here's the good news for the NBA. Ratings are way up. I think the highest ratings of the early rounds of the playoffs since 2014, maybe, and that was a early, you know, uh, Warriors team yep. in that time. So that, that's good news. And there's no LeBron. No LeBron. No LeBron, no Lakers, and you still have record ratings over the last eight years in the early rounds of the playoff. That's great news. And no one walking to the, the podium NBA. with a Malcolm X book. Right. I mean, let's, and that's, that's, on page two. That's part of it. I mean, I think that the NBA made a concerted effort to get away from a lot of that, and I think that's in part helped. And I think people gravitating towards John Morant as a young star it's versus Steph they're Curry leaning into that. is, is going to help. And, you know what else helps? But, the Celtics. I think the Celtics making yeah, but, a run and being a part of this also The helps. Celtics making a run, but no one's talking about Giannis and the Bucs. You know, yeah. like, today we're talking the about defending this series. Champs. It's because it's the Steph Curry, Golden State – matched up with John Morant in Memphis and the, the physical tone of it. Um, in, the, in the Boston game last night, they outscored Milwaukee from behind the perimeter by 51 points. I mean, it was lopsided. So I, I think going into it, it's cool to see Boston making the run that they are. And Giannis is a star. But I don't view Giannis the same way I do John Morant and Steph Curry going head-to-head. Well, like I do Jason Tatum and Giannis. It's guard play versus – I mean, there's, there's just – they're going to do more. The highlights it's guard are going to be play, fancier. but it's, I mean, it's at the rim. If you watch John right. Morant, he's attacking the rim. Yeah, but he's a, a smaller guy attacking a, the rim. It looks a lot better than when Giannis is doing something at the rim. To me, the highlights are always going to be more exciting with, with Morant going to the rim than with Giannis going to the rim. Giannis is most of the time going to be parked there or closer to Well, it one's to start also with. playing the super underdog. Yes. Um, and, Which and the Giannis other, was for a while until the other, they won the title. It, right. Right. Also, right. we're not talking about the Suns at all, and the Suns are the odds-on favorite to win the thing. Yeah, the Suns That's are fun. Point. The Suns are fun too. I mean, that series, the finals last year, Bucks and Suns was could fun, well, and that could well be those what we teams. see again. By the way, you, we just talked ratings, and I just see the, the the tweet pop up from Sports TV ratings right now. NBA on TNT last night, Bucks Celtics four point one million viewers. Warriors Grizz, the late night special, five point three two million. So over a million more watching the Western Conference, watching the later game, and not Celtics Bucks. Um, that's again good news. You know, it doesn't take an East Coast power like the Celtics to power your ratings. You've got the Memphis Grizzlies, I think, now drawing eyeballs. It's a good in, and, and in, it's got a big part because they're going against Steph Curry and the, the Warriors. Well, and then three minutes into the game, you have an ejection. That in helps game two too. after you had a second quarter ejection over the weekend. We have to wait a while for Game Three. Game Three is not until Saturday on ABC, um, and they, you know, they're holding that off as they go back to San Francisco for Game Three. Space the hell out of these games to yep. get to the weekend. Yep. Thing it's competing with for me is Ozark. <laughs> yeah, I'm uh, still not done. Still two episodes left. Very, very slow climb to the I, end of Ozark. I'm only one in. I uh, actually recorded uh, the final quarter and a half last night of that game to watch commercial free. Because, yeah, and I started just a little bit late and fast-forwarded uh, through commercials and, and watched all of it. It's, it's, it's really – look, it's – if you like intensity and you like stars, I mean, look, if you like sports, you're going to like the series. Well, I like games that are I don't, finishing I don't on one any, possession. I'm, I, this is not – we're not employed by the NBA. We have no dog in the hunt. But if you're a sports fan, you're going to like this series. There's something for everyone. It's going to live up to the expectation and the build. Right now, it's about Chad's dead on with how, how does Draymond Green handle Game Three 
after the physical tone of games one and two. And we, we know how he's reacted in the past, and we know how the officials have treated him well, in the I past. I like your strategy. Don't get thrown out. Get somebody off the bench to be the heavy. Yeah. That's, that's how I would handle it. Well, I would, the, but I would, I would send a message early if I were Steve Kerr to retaliate. But I also understand the, NBA, the thinking of, well, let's just go beat him on the court and the, not get into that game. Do they suspend Dylan Brooks for a game? Possibly. Draymond Green, remember when he uh, hit a guy in the groin for like the third or fourth time? Yeah. How many games did he get? Two? I want to say he got a game or two extra added on to it in a playoff run yeah. one year. I'd have to go back and see how many games he got. But he's been suspended for – Dylan Brooks doesn't have a history of this is the difference. Right. Like but I, I wonder Green if did. knowing the result of the injury with the elbow, the fractured Changes elbow, plays a, plays a factor in it, especially with Steve Kerr and the way he's ranting. Look, about I, it I should absolutely this. play a factor, he, by the way. He, I, I believe in that. If you – if you intentionally foul someone and it results in a season-ending injury, I don't know that you'd automatically suspend the guy for the rest of the season, but there needs to be, that needs to be factored into your punishment for the player. Well, he was going to intentionally foul him, but he wasn't going to uh, – I mean, he wasn't determined to punch no, him in the not, face. Well, he's not trying to uh, or break his elbow. Right. He tried to help him up. Yeah, he ran after, right to After him. he hit him, but it doesn't change the fact that he knew what he was doing. He was taking the "you're not going to get a layup or a dunk on me" mentality, and he went for the guy's face. Yeah. I like the "you're uh, not going to get a layup or a dunk on me." Hit us up on Twitter at Outkick360. We will get Dan Donkich's take on this series and some other big topics across the sports landscape. We'll recap the NFL draft, get his take on what we saw across the AFC South and beyond. That's all straight ahead on Outkick360. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer. With over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros, Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back. And their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Sixth and Peabody, our location in Nashville. Glad you're with us across the Outkick Network. Crew is all here. And also on the Outkick Network, don't at me with Dan Dockage. Don't do it. Don't at him. Don't you don't at him. Don't even think about don't it. Don't you at him. Dan Dockage joins us each Wednesday, and you can check him out 9 to 11 Eastern across the Outkick Network. We say hello to Dan Dockage, uh, or we will in just a moment. Oh, there he is. I'm in the middle. Oh, I'm in go. the middle. I'm in the middle of sending out I'm sending out a very snarky tweet to all the clowns in the Indianapolis media, all these insiders. I told everybody last year that Darius Leonard was a pain in the ass that had wore out. 
uh, his teammates. Now all of a sudden, Leonard, and they all laughed at me. We got all these insiders that you pay for. You pay for access on The Athletic, on uh, uh, the Indianapolis Star. Got all these insiders, and not one of them, not one, talked about how Darius Leonard is a pain in the backside. And all of a sudden today, Leonard comes out, and he starts whining about how, well, I didn't love football at the end of the year. I wasn't myself. How come you get this information from me and from you guys for free, and you got to pay for these Jags here uh, on the Athletic and on the Indianapolis Star? It's unbelievable to me how in pocket Indianapolis is with the Colts. It's incredible to me. And yet, and yet, and yet, you're betting on the Colts to win the AFC because you're such a homer. I'll tell you this. I am not a homer. I don't homer my where my money comes in. I'm betting on the Colts to win the AFC because you guys right now are sitting in the epicenter of the NFL. I loved, by the way, and I told Paul this on my show, I loved the way you guys handled uh, yesterday the whole Tannehill stuff. You knew that his comments were going to blow up, and they didn't need to, but you knew they would. You guys handled it unbelievable. You handled it like the adults that you are. Uh, but I love the fact that A.J. Brown is gone. I love the fact that about, I don't know, a minute in, Tannehill's so soft that he, oh, I didn't sleep. <laughs> really? You shouldn't sleep after a loss. I got four games, two as a player, two as a coach, that I lost 50 years ago that I still don't sleep on. No kidding. So anyway, don't mentor people. Who cares about that? I just like that there's angst. There's a little bit of a crumbling in the Titans, so I'm taking the Colts because Jacksonville stinks. That owner's still worried about Urban Meyer and Houston. Bah, they got nothing. So I'm taking the Colts, Paulie. You took Not them, because I'm a homer, but because I got some sense. You took them to win the division or the conference? No, no, just the division. All right. no, I thought you told no, me. I think you told me. I think you told <laughs> no. me conference on the. I thought you told me conference on your show. No. You might want to go back and check the tape. And then I misspoke because I, uh, I put a little bit of candy because the Colts are plus 100. I put a little candy on them. So, yeah, no, not the, not the conference. Division, division I was only. thinking, what, no. what, did the bills fall down the stairs or something? <laughs> Dan, I uh, – No. I, hey. Go ahead. I'm good. Oh, so I, I, <laughs> I, I immediately thought of you yesterday, Dan, because I read Armando Salguero's piece about Ryan Tannehill in Miami and his comments about Matt Moore being such a good mentor uh, to him when they were competing for the starting job when he got there as a rookie. And, of course, Tannehill won the starting job. And all I could think of is what you retweet most things with, which is interesting. After I saw that with Ryan Tannehill's comment yesterday about it's not my job to mentor uh, to Malik Willis. Look, it may not be in the job description. I think that we can all acknowledge that. But what did you think about him verbalizing it with everything else going on after his performance in the playoff game last year? Well, I think, I think he was caught in a situation where he's got to outthink the question. Like, if you come out and you say, yeah, I'm really looking forward to mentoring you know, Malik Willis, I want to show him everything that I know. People are saying, like, yeah, what do you know? You threw three interceptions. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> so I think he just basically said the truth, which is like, look, 
Uh, learn from me if you got one. I'll be around. The interesting thing is things don't happen in a vacuum, and you guys know this better than anybody. Look, you have the room. Guys are either going to connect or they're not going to connect. If they connect, then there'll be a natural leadership there from Ryan Tannehill. And if Malik Willis is smart, and I think he is, I think you'll see him pick up the things that he wants to and pick up the things that he doesn't need, you know, like we all do from people. I do think the word mentorship, though, you know, everybody, uh, I think it's using an excuse a lot of ways. Well, I didn't have a mentor. Well, I had a great mentor. Look, I don't know. You're good enough to be drafted in the third round of the NFL. You're going to go in there. You're going to compete. Your skill set is such that, you know, it's different than what Tannehill is. You're going to be in the same room. The guy's been a veteran. If you're smart, and again, I think Malik Willis is, he'll pick things up. If Tannehill's smart, uh, he'll pass things down almost naturally. The one thing that I didn't like, I didn't like how all of a sudden guys like Ryan Clark, and this happens all the time on Twitter and it happens in the media, all of a sudden now you're a bad teammate. And that's why, Paul, I asked you, you know, has there ever been any word that, that Ryan Tannehill's a bad teammate. Just because you answer a question in a press conference doesn't mean you're a bad teammate. I get it. There's going to be a reaction. And you guys were absolutely right. You know, former players, all this kind of happy horse bleep. Hey, look, as Paul said on my show, it's May 4th. Uh, Vrabel's been in this so long. You think he gives a rats about what is said on May 4th? It'll all come out in the wash. But for now, it's a nice story. I just, hey, look, it's hard to win in any, in any sport, in any league. It was hard to win in the Big Ten. It was hard to win in the MAC. It's hard to win in the NBA. It's hard to win the NFL. I just like there's a little bit of discourse right now or, or discord right now with your boys because you guys are the uh, standard by which the AFC South is. And I got money on the Colts. So there you go. Well, that, that's kind of the, that's the underlying story there is the, the, the discord. Um, I don't care what line of work you're in. If you're working for a corporation, if you're uh, on a team, uh, the whole, uh, it's not my job to do X, Y, Z, normally doesn't go over very well and leads to a crack in the foundation down the road. I mean, at some point. Um, I also took it, Dan, as, as Ryan Tannehill admitting that this is more of a competition than, you know, what, what many believe is just going to be a year and a redshirt year. For Malik Willis, if if you if we read across the league, people are saying the Malik Willis selection was the best value for the player of any pick in the draft. If that's true, Tannehill's going to be looking over his shoulder. Uh, I don't believe that. Yeah, and Tannehill they just drafted him. Uh, well, if, they, if he was going to be looking over his shoulder, here, he would have been a first round pick. Doesn't have to be. Well, here's my way of looking at it. When Tannehill came. To Tennessee, I mean, I don't want to put words in anybody's mouth, but I think most people felt like Marcus Mariota was the guy, and, yep. you know, Tannehill's here to back him up. So Tannehill's been in that other spot, so he understands, and I think we all do, how quick, you know, that can happen. It, if it was, was it Logan Woodside, if Logan Woodside was back there, where there's really not a lot invested uh, in him, I don't think Tannehill would think that way. But all of a sudden, you draft a guy, and, Tannehill's been in both spots. He's been the guy that's drafted, that stepped in, and he's been the guy that comes in, supposedly a back out, back, back up, and all of a sudden, man, things change. I, I think there is one thing I've learned both as a player and, and as a coach. Man, oh, man, when you've got that mantle, you want to hang on to that mantle because and you guys have been doing this a long time. You see how quickly that mantle can be taken away from you. I mean, you see how quickly that mantle can go to somebody else. You know, it doesn't have to be 1929 or 30 with George Gipp, you know, uh, sitting out and all, or 25, whatever it was, and Lou Gehrig coming in. It happens every freaking day. And I've always said this, 
There's only one quarterback on a team normally. You know, what is it, two quarterbacks? It means you got none. There's only one quarterback, and if you ain't starting, guess what? It could be a long time. It's like Baker Mayfield, you know? I think Baker Mayfield probably felt, you go back about four months ago, three months, whatever, Baker Mayfield probably thought, all right, well, if not the Browns, I'll get another job. Mm, guess what? That ain't happening. I think there's a natural insecurity there. I do. And I think everybody, including coaches, feels it. Like, I'll tell you this, and maybe I've said this on your show, in college basketball coaching, this is said all the time. If they'll fire Bob Knight at Indiana, they'll fire you. So, you know, it's like, hang in here a second, man. Uh, if, 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 if People can call it insecure. People can call it, well, no chance. But if you're Tannehill, you know that that's not necessarily the case. Dan Dockett joins us on Outkick 360. He's placed money on the Indianapolis Colts to win the AFC South. Dan, let's talk a little NBA. Was Steve Kerr right in saying that Dylan Brooks broke the code with that hard foul last night and ejection? You know, I guess the modern code, right? I, I guess. I mean, you know, all we got to do is go back and look at NBA playoffs before. There was no code. There was, hey, look, I'm going to knock you down. I'm going to knock you out, and you – are going to have to make a business decision. I heard you guys before I came on, and I absolutely agree uh, with you. You know, getting a broken part, whatever that part is, elbow, arm, wrist, knee, whatever, based on a hit from another guy, I think uh, that will factor into any type of suspension. But, you know, the modern code is, hey, we're going to go down the lane, you're going to go lay it in, and we're going to try to block it, but we're not going to get too physical. Uh, Steve knows better than that. Steve played in an era where, you know, the Jordan rules prevailed. The, the Davis uh, brothers were here in Indiana. You know, Patrick Ewing and Mason and those guys, Oakley and those guys in New York, obviously lame beer. So, and maybe a modern code. But, but um, if you're Dylan Brooks and if you're the Grizz, the only thing you care about is you won. Steve Kirk can yell, scream, whatever. Everybody can yell, scream, whatever. But the bottom line is you won. You saved yourself in that series. And now, hey, if physical play, bordering on cheap play, bothers the Warriors, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm doing it. Because in the NBA, like the NFL, man, this is about winning. And I thought, what, what series was it? Oh, I thought the Celtics were brutally physical with Kevin Durant, and he didn't like it. And if the Warriors don't like it and they're going to complain about it, I'm going to tell you what I'm doing. I'm giving them a little more of it. I'm not trying to cheap shot anybody. I'm not trying to break anybody's arm, wrist, ankle, whatever. But I'm going to knock the living hell out of you when I get a chance, particularly if Steve Kerr's going to continue to talk about it. Who's John Morant's comp to you? Who's he remind you of? Uh, you know, I said this today, Paul. I, I always thought in terms of a player, LeBron James wasn't Michael Jordan. He was Magic Johnson. In terms of a player, I think that John Moran is Michael Jordan-like. Like, when he goes to the rim, that dude finishes, uh, I don't know. I mean, you know, Jordan-esque, he, he goes around the rim. But in terms of exuberance and the way he goes about his business, he got a lot of Magic Johnson in him. I think he's a little bit of a combination. Like, I don't think that people realize – well, they do, but – uh, when guys say, well, you know, this guy's the next Michael Jordan. I remember when Jason Richardson was coming out of Flint, Michigan, and the guy at Michigan State assistant coach said, that's the next Michael Jordan. I said, yeah, it is athletically, but it ain't mentally. I think John Morant's got some of that Michael Jordan badassery to him. I really do. 
So I'm, I'm curious to see how this goes because I feel like whoever you want to say is the face of the NBA, that's fine, but I don't think anybody's more the face than John Morant. That dude plays with exuberance. That dude plays with an energy. That dude plays with a toughness. That dude plays with a style. He's must-see TV, man. I, I think he plays like Michael Jordan, but uh, exuberant like Magic Johnson. And he's made everyone forget about Zion Williamson, which is amazing. Uh, except no, the Pelicans. Well, Pelicans are barely even talking about him. I mean, they barely see him. Well, they're lamenting their yeah. choice. Well, here's the deal, and this is something that a lot of people said. I was at the Summer League when Zion Williamson showed up as a rookie, and he was fat. You can't play basketball fat, fellas. You can't. You break your feet. You do. Charles Barkley on, on our show on Don't At Me told me a great story about Moses Malone. You know, when he was a rookie, he went up to see Moses, say, Moses, why aren't I playing? And Moses said, you're fat. Fat guys can't play in the NBA because of the pounding. Big guys can't. Big bone guys can't. But when you're carrying all that weight that, that Zion's carrying, you can't play. You're going to hurt your feet. I mean, it just makes sense. You put all that torque, all that athletic ability, and then all that thick boneness. Zion Williamson's going to be heavy, not fat, heavy even when he's skinny like Charles was. You can't play fat, man, And uh, until he gets his diet figured out. Hell, people were saying that at the summer league when he was a rookie, for crying out loud. So now, Dan, the NCAA is saying – we got to get it under control in terms of recruiting with NIO because there's a rule in place for that. But for the life of me, I don't know what they can do because the Supreme Court has already said you can't stop this. They can give money for play. They can get money in any – I just – I don't know how the defense of the NCAA is, yeah, but we already had a rule for that, <laughs> so they can't break that rule. Well, the Supreme <laughs> Court trumps that rule. So where do you think all of this is headed? I think it's headed with more of what you're seeing. Like, I wrote an article today for Outkick.com where I said, I love it. Look, I, I, I don't get affected by it, but you tell me. It's headed for more of the same. Uh, a week ago, I was at Wrigley Field, and all of a sudden, I saw it. There it was. Uh, UM signs Nigel Pack for $400,000, according to his agent and according to some billionaire jock sniffer. And I thought to myself, that's the first time that's really been thrown in my face. Of course, that wasn't the way this was designed. This was designed for a guy that played at a college, you know, a year to do some ads because everybody knows him. But every single person knew this was going to become what it was. We have literally gone back uh, 180 degrees to when my father was in college and they started saying, okay, you can get money to go do the erasers uh, in this building. We'll, give, we'll pay you for that. It was legal. Well, guess what happened? Next thing you know, nah, -uh. it became you get money and you don't need to show. You get money in the summertime. Fellas, there's a reason the NCAA rule book is that thick, and it's because coaches always find ways to get around rules, and then you got so now the rule book is this thick, and it ain't changing. It is not. It is pay for play, and I love it. Calipari and I used to talk all the time about how can college basketball make itself interesting in the offseason like college football does. Uh, they have a spring season like the NFL does. Hell, softball plays in the fall and the spring. Volleyball season is in the fall, but they have a spring season. This is how you do it, man. Who's coming to your team? How much are we paying them? There's a website. There's a group called Hoosier Hysterics on Twitter. A couple guys from L.A. are soliciting money. 
Hey, the Hoosier Hysterics NIL Fund. Donate. Like, I always thought at Indiana we had a little bit of dignity. We don't have any dignity. Just give to this fund. It's like a GoFundMe for guys that haven't had a winning record in the Big Ten in the last six years. God bless them. I want free agency. I want transfer portal. I want that wide receiver from Pittsburgh to get $3 million in a house. God bless them. Go get it, baby. It ain't going any other way than forward. I swear to God, it ain't. It's amazing. It's, not. it's amazing, Dan, that in July of last year, the NCAA took a step back. And now, as we sit here in May of 2022, they now want back in to regulate this. Well, we'll thing. wait until it's out of control. Then we'll try to regulate. Ridiculous. <laughs> right. Hey, when's the last time you saw something that was given into that generated big money, a huge industry that opened it up for people to make more money where they pulled it back legally? Ain't happening. It's not. You know what? The truth of the matter is right now, everybody's looking for a guy. There's a Hall of Fame coach that has a guy that wants to buy players. I'm not going to say his name until he tells me that I can. And he has said no. He's got a billionaire dying to buy players. Every single school is looking for the next John Ruiz, the jock-sniffing billionaire at Miami who's yep. bringing people in. Everyone is. Everyone. Make no, if they say they're not, they're not. But I know one Hall of Famer that's standing up against and I hope he wins 10 straight national championships. I'm, I'm kind of surprised there hasn't been more money, you know, bags of money passed around to the, to the Ruiz extent i'm saying uh, there's always that one big donor at every university but yet we we only know a handful of names a year later yeah but a lot of this a lot of schools are doing it the right way and it's always that way isn't it and the right way is this i'll give you an example trace jackson davis here at indiana he comes in he's at indiana uh, and he is doing, I, everybody told me he got over $250,000 to do different ads for different things. That's NIL, name, image, and likeness. He's been here. Uh, a lot of schools are doing it that way. A lot of schools don't want to step outside. If I'm Jim Laranega, I'm going to tell you one thing that I'm doing, and I'm doing this because I, Jim Laranega is like 110 years old, right? He's got more money than he's got sense. If I'm Jim Laranega, and Nigel Pack doesn't play well, I'm sitting him. Hey, Ruiz, you want to keep bringing players? I want you to, baby, but I'm coaching them. I I, I got to tell you, watching everybody in sports grovel, like I don't know if you saw John Lynch groveling about Debo Samuels. Dude's under contract. You know, all of a sudden, A.J. Brown, he got to go because in, in Nashville or in Tennessee, we got to acquiesce. If I'm one of these coaches – Hey, man, I want you to bring the dude here. You're paying him. That's great. But I'm coaching him, and I don't think you're going to see a whole lot of that. I think you're going to see a lot of acquiescing to a lot of boosters. Dan Dockich, follow up on Twitter at Dan Dockich, and uh, just don't add him. You can watch him, though, and don't at me. Mornings across the OutKick network, uh, and just follow at OutKick for more. Dan, thank you as always, man. Thanks, pal. Hey, you guys are awesome. Seriously. Thanks, guys. Thank you. See you. All right. You're gonna- the best, Dan. Thanks. We'll follow Dan's advice. You can take uh, the Indianapolis Colts to win the AFC South, Chad. Right. And, hey, he brought up a good point about the coaches that are going to acquiesce to boosters and money being paid to players and those that are strong enough to stand up to boosters and how much leverage you have to have in terms of your history as a coach to be able to stand up to some millionaire 
boosters that paid for recruits well, to here, be there the, that suddenly are unhappy. Here's the other side of that. You're a booster. Ultimately, you want the team to win. Right. So if your kid comes and he's not playing well and the other guy's going to play better, ultimately plays better and wins, aren't you getting what you want? What do you want more, your kid to play or your team to win? I think, I think theoretically, as long as they're winning, they're not going to complain. But the moment a loss happens and, your kid's and the on guy the bench, you're, you paid is on the bench right. because it's someone flipped. else is in, they flip it and they're going to blame the coach sticky, and not the player. Sticky situation. I agree. Coach needs autonomy there and protection from his bosses. Coming up, uh, we have draft headlines, fact or fiction. Uh, that's in about 15 minutes. Uh, a week later, we'll dive into some of the storylines across the NFL and and discuss whether or not we're buying into them or not. Uh, coming up next, though, Dave Chappelle attacked on stage last night, and Jamie Foxx was among the first on stage to help him out. Uh, this was at a Netflix comedy festival. Um, also there, Chris Rock will describe the scene and what happened to the guy uh, who rushed him on stage. That's next on Outkick 360. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Glad you're with us across the Outkick Network. Coming up, NFL Draft Reaction. We'll play a little fact or fiction with some of the headlines that are out there. Jerry Jones held up a piece of paper at the presser on Thursday night where they were going through where they had guys ranked. He goes, look, no, seriously, I seriously have – we have the best offensive lineman on our board based on where we selected. It was awesome. And, and, you know, you have Stephen Jones being like, you know, Put that, that down. Put that down because they had other players that had not been drafted. And they, he took it down, and then someone has zoomed in on that list and has figured out uh, piece by piece who, was the top four, who were the top 14 selections because the Cowboys claimed there were 14 players that they had graded with a first-round grade. And so their pick was, in fact, a second-round. And everyone else was off the board. Caliber, yeah. Yeah. Which um, goes to show you, uh, you know, and, and – I mean, he's telling the truth. Yeah, yeah. Everything he said that night was completely accurate, according uh, to what based he's on their board. Hand. Yeah. Now, what uh, would be great is if he had a fake thing in his hand. <laughs> that would be next level. It's a Waffle House menu that he's yeah. holding up, and make the print a little <laughs> right bit here, bigger, so it's a little bit easier to decode <laughs> and do that. Smothered. That would be second level if you had your second rounders on there, your second round board. That would be terrific. Crazy scene last night in Hollywood. Where they're filming um, some specials for Netflix and, and Netflix. It was the Netflix is a joke comedy festival uh, going on in Hollywood, and um, a number of stand-up comedians there. But um, Chappelle was on stage and was rushed by someone in the audience um, who was carrying a replica handgun, a handgun that fired a switchblade knife. Um, if fired correctly. That's what they found on this guy. So it, the, the gun shot out a knife? Shot out a knife, yeah. If fired, yeah. That's, that's, that's what, or if you pull the trigger, the knife pops out, I guess, um, based on descriptions from the New York Post and others. It's but, a switchblade that looks like a gun. Yes, it's a replica handgun. 
and somehow he got into the the venue with it. He's 23 years old, um, and look, he he was he was beaten up for it. Um, the Chappelle's crew took care of him. I mean, there's I 25 know, I, guys around him. Yeah, I mean, you, you bum rush you bum rush Chappelle or anyone for that matter. Uh, you're going to get stomped for for doing so. I mean, like he got you, a good square hit on Chappelle, and that was the end of it. Like a form tackle, and then um, his crew did the rest. Do we know anything about the guy or what he was attempting to do or what his motivation was in this? I haven't seen anything. No. I think it's insane. Um, only that he's being held on $30,000 bail. Um, yeah, just bizarre. He's young. He's 23 years old um, and, and looks like he just got out of a UFC fight. Last night, he had a dislocated elbow. You could yeah, tell elbow was popped out the wrong direction when he was getting taken away. But you had uh, Jamie Foxx, who was among the first on stage to go after the guy that had bum rushed Chappelle. Um, Chris Rock was there. He apparently came out and you know, in Chris Rock form, said, "Was that Will Smith?" <laughs> <laughs> so, Which is great. Uh, it's a great response. Um, and the show went on. Uh, the biggest story to me is that I've been to a Chappelle stand-up special at the Ryman. And took your phone. getting in there, they either take your phone or it's in this case that you drop your phone in that is magnetized and, and there's a code to it that the venue will then release the code you know, through you know, Wi-Fi or whatever and it opens up the, the bag that your at phone is in. We all do the same phone. thing for Chris Rock. When Same we thing. watched we him at Zanies when he was working through his special. So I don't know how – there are multiple videos of this. I don't know how people were able to get their phones in because even, the, even those covering the story say that that was in place last night. So, so some people that to me is a bigger story. How did they sneak the phones in? And it, it, apparently there was just no security because the guy got in with a replica handgun in this case. Scare? Well, of all the it's shows scary. that Dave Chappelle has done, you, know, I, you just don't think about that. I'm sure. I mean, he was shocked. He bounced back quick. I mean, he got knocked to the ground and kind of got up and started going back after the guy yeah. that came on stage. And his crew beat the hell out of the guy after that. Um, it was crazy. I'm, I'm now, next part of this story is when Ooh. this guy speaks and explains his motivation, his motive for what he was trying to accomplish, or he's just insane. Well, a lawyer's going to have both. him not speaking. Both, yeah. Headlines next, we discuss the... Fact or fiction about the storylines a week later after the NFL draft. That's all straight ahead on OutKick 360.